Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Howdy, folks. Today's Thinking and Drinking is Eric Andreas, who is your guitar sage. But before that, I'm going to talk about PRS guitars. I, uh, I'm still waiting for all of you to go out and buy at least one, so check them out at prsguitars.com and get an amp too. Eric Andreas has been a great friend for a long time. He's one of the biggest online guitar teachers in the solar system, and he's a great guitar player himself. His insight into teaching and how to teach, I think is fascinating. I hope you do too. And please check him out at yourguitarsage.com. Here's Eric. All right. Thinking and drinking, Eric Andreas. Look, the guitar sage. I love it. How are you? I, I might have rethought that name if I had known. You know what I found out? On Instagram, there's about 25 guitar sage. What? But there's only one your guitar sage. Really? There there's really other is. guitar sages from How other countries. Dare and they? Stuff. I know it. Wow. Well, it's a little it's... copyright infringingistic. Yeah, it feels like it's not like a real it. word, is it? I don't know. It is now. So how's your day? You got a massage? Is it's that good. right? I, I, I have a, I do this twice a week. I get a massage. It's Are my you, it's my little um, it's my little treat to myself. Absolutely. I was going to say you know. pat on your own back, but that's yeah. not massage anistic. No, not I, I did. Uh, I I started doing massages or having massages because uh, I was like in pain. I was just like physically in pain, and then I would go to this guy, and he would massage me, and it felt fantastic. And then I would. Um, like after a few weeks, I felt great, and I would stop going, and then I'd start hurting again, and I'd go. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, because you need to keep going. So, it's like it's not; it doesn't even feel good anymore. It's just like maintenance or something. But I, <laughs> but I do it. It's but my me do, time. But if you do it on a Friday, it sets the week up, uh, weekend exactly. up for success. Exactly. I like that. Yeah, success is good. But uh, all right, so you were born in born in Florida, is that right? Mm-hmm. I was born in Titusville. Central Florida, Space Coast. My father worked for the uh, McDonnell Douglas. Really? Yeah. How have I never known that? He he uh, grew up in Berlin and was an aeronautical engineer and like super high level security, super smart dude. He grew up in Berlin. He grew up in Berlin, like literally, like during the war. Saw Hitler like go by on tanks. They would. Oh like my my, my dad's um, idea of a good time was they would find dead soldiers and they'd pull the gun belts off of them and they would they would take all the they would empty the bullets and create bombs as you as we did as kids you remember that if you find something yeah and use with it. like firecrackers or M80s but he, they were literally like taking gun belts and emptying the the bullets and creating bombs and stuff. It was crazy, a crazy, life. and yeah, I could go on about that one. Yeah. Will that be in uh, Your Guitar Sage, Volume Dose? Volume 2, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, did you come from a musical family? <clears throat> I mean, I've met your brother. I know he has a lot of hair. Was he a musical he, guy? No, he was always uh, 
You know, honestly, my brother helped get me to listen to bands that I listen to today. The Beatles, uh, Zeppelin, Doors, uh, The Cars. I mean, he always, he was three years older than me, so yeah. he, he always had that big brother role, uh, beating my ass and then giving me music to listen to. So you to. weren't the little brother that had to sneak <clears throat> into his room to steal his records to listen to him because he was, he was inviting you in. Yeah, we would just listen we would just listen to stuff together, and um, but but yeah, no, I didn't really come from a musical background per se. I mean, my dad sang in the Berlin Boys Choir or something, I think, back in the day. With a pocket full of bullets. Yeah, it was just <laughs> things were weird back then. Let's, let's, yeah, but um, I didn't really come. I don't wouldn't say from a musical background, but my folks loved music, so they were always playing. Elvis, uh, lots of classical, like mm-hmm. tons of classical. So I was constantly moving to that. Like literally, like they would play operas and what have you. And I was so moved by yeah. classical music and stomping around the house to Beethoven's Fifth or whatever. And I think that, like, that thing within me that was like, what is this yeah. sensation of melody and, and harmony and all that stuff? It absolutely. Uh, just was like a hook in me as a kid. And I didn't, you know, didn't until many years later start trying to create that myself, you know? Isn't it amazing when you find somebody that goes, yeah, I don't really listen to music. I don't really like music. It boggles my mind. Yeah, I, I can't figure Every out. Every now and then there's that guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't like food. Or I don't <laughs> like, I don't like feeling good. Right. Yeah, I don't I, like music. I, I just money. don't. I don't get it. It's a waste of time. Right. I'm like, wow. Amy and I met somebody like that a couple of weeks ago. We just walked away going, as much time as we spent professionally and personally around music and stuff is like, I just can't imagine a world without music, and that person's world has no music, and it. it just blows me away. Yeah, and I think that that has to do. My guess would be that that has to do with culture. Like you, you find those people who didn't grow up with a an animal in the house. Yeah, and the thought of having an animal in the house, they're like, "That's crazy." Animals right. belong outside or whatever. Yeah. Um, and same thing with with music. I feel like if they weren't, if that wasn't introduced to them, they're yeah. probably not going to have much of a desire for that. I had a student who had like zero sense of rhythm, and I don't even like to say that, but I feel like he was just not introduced to music, so he was not tapping, he was not doing the things that we do, right. you know, um, to be musical growing up, so it was really hard to, to get that guy to, to play on a, with a metronome. But um, but yeah, not other, other than just being influenced by, hey, here's, you know, here's music that we're listening to in the house, and it was always something really good, Elvis or Roy Orbison or lots of 50s, 60s, um, classical and that sort of thing. That's what I think the the bug that bit me back in the day when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So I got into hair metal. I'm not saying you did. I don't know. You I'm know I did. I did. You know I did. What got you gravitating that way and what got you into the <clears throat> guitar to begin with? Um, I can't even think of the year, but I'm, I'm going to say it's probably somewhere 83 or 84. I was just like transitioning into high school. And do you remember the show Friday Night Videos? Oh, I think yeah. it was called Friday Night Videos, yeah. right? And then before that, there was Night Flight. Oh, you freaking remember Night Flight? And Don Kirshner's rock concert? Was I that don't before remember you? That. Okay. I, that. Yeah, I don't remember that. Uh, but Night Flight, Friday you know, and they'd show uh, David Bowie and just like all these amazing bands that 
that but so that was earlier on that was several years earlier on night flight yeah. but but friday night videos hit and specifically i remember metal health metal health yeah. come on feel the noise um, and some def leppard tunes so that was, that, that was when pyromania hit so that would have been at the same time as MTV, though, right? And MTV, yes. And that, okay. like, right after, I think. I think there might have been Friday Night Videos first, and then MTV was like, hey, we're going to be, like, doing this, like, 24 hours or whatever it was. Um, and that literally, as a, a young teen with... Oh, my parents had just gotten... They just got split up, okay. which they had, it was real amicable, amicable and all that. But they But they just decided to split... And me and my mom lived in an apartment, and I had HBO and and Friday night videos. Nothing else. Like I hated school. And that was all I had. That was my culturing, you know. And so um, that once I saw Def Leppard, I was like, my God! Like, what is this sound? Of course, now many years later, still respecting Mutt Lang and Dude. and and the production that that he was doing even before then. Uh, was just like the catalyst to make me go, I got to get a guitar. Yeah. And I don't know if it was before then or after then, but there was a guitar laying around. I still don't know where this guitar came from. It's still in my attic. It's a Barclay. You ever heard Barclay? Mm-mm. No, me neither. But uh, that I think was. They uh, made cigarettes too. <laughs> they made cigarettes. It's a weird combo. And great guitars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this. this guitars this, and cigarettes of the stars. Yeah. I had this super. Uh, Bizarre-looking kind of country-western acoustic Both kinds? guitar, country and western? country and western. I get it was, it was just very strange. Like the pickguard was white. Like if I still have it, so if I showed it to you, you'd be like, oh, "Okay, I get it." Um, and I just and had one string, and I remember just kind of plunking melodies out on that thing, hmm. just going, "Oh, here's here's Iron Man, here's Ode to Joy, <laughs> like whatever melody I could think of." I was sitting there, and I was like, "This is cool." And my mom's friend at the time. Played banjo, and he thought that that was really cool. That I was actually trying to yeah. to do something on this this instrument, and then so he bought a classical nylon string, uh, just like student model, was super tiny. Mm-hmm. Intonation was terrible, but I started. I went out and bought a Def Leppard book. Uh, I was on Pyromania, like tablature, and started picking away there. Foolin' was my first tune. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, the fact that I can hear that and then replicate it, even yeah. if it was just sounded terrible at first and out of tune. And, but I, it, I could hear it. I hear where I was going, and I was on more than one string, Bart. So that was amazing. <laughs> so uh, you started just ear training yourself by accident. Yeah. 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 And then once I got the tab books, then I started putting pieces together in my in my head, just seeing the patterns and stuff like that, you know? I didn't see Tab till I was late twenties. Really? So is, you were just all ear. Yep. Yeah. I mean honestly that's the way to go is is just like if I if I had a student, if I had my druthers that they could you know obviously know all the theory in the world or just have a good ear, I would always pick the ear just yeah. because it pretty much tells you everything that you need to know. Well, and you know that if it sounds good, it is good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be right. Yeah. But yeah. So what, you were in bands in Florida then? Yeah, so once I, I'm trying to think on, on the the timeline now, but I, I know 14 was when I started getting serious about it. So I don't know if I started lessons then or what, but that would have been a freshman in 
high school. Mm-hmm. There was a couple other guys that I was kind of looking up to that were in high school that were playing guitar. And and I just took to it right away, started taking lessons. And um, after about two years, my mom was like, you need to be in a band. You're just kind of playing around the house here, and you're getting better, but like, you need to be in a band. So she encouraged me and like looked in the paper. Somebody was auditioning for a guitar player, and I took the audition, and it was for a band called AWOL, uh, which you got, you saw some video from earlier, <laughs> absolutely terrible. And uh, But it was a first band, and, and they had gotten rid of their last guitar player, or I think he might have. I think he might have died actually in a small plane crash. Or some, no, that wasn't. That wasn't us. <laughs> that was Leonard Skinner. But um, that was a big plane. Yeah, could have been one of the Kennedys. It, you know, it, they got rid of him for some reason. I don't know why. But now all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're in the studio and we've got the Moose Lodge to play and we've got a funeral to play. <laughs> we literally had the goofiest. So the guitar player went AWOL. The hey, guitar player went AWOL, right? and. Um, and so I filled in right away, and it was really cool. So two years after I started playing, I'm in a legit recording studio recording with these guys, and that was just a thrill, you know, to actually have a thing here with the hand-drawn, pencil-drawn uh, cassette cover of our album. Heck yeah. And uh, So what kind of gear were you using back then? <laughs> I was, okay. Was so, it still so, the Barclay? No, so... I'm trying to think the timeline. I think a year after I got that acoustic guitar, my dad that Christmas bought me a PV Razor. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this yep. guitar? It might be yep. the ugliest guitar in the history. In fact, mm. I mean, do you have another that, that you Not think of? the, the top of my head. That guitar is ugly. Could be I mean, it. it doesn't look like anything. <laughs> it just looks bizarre. It doesn't look anything like a Razor. <laughs> Not in any of mine. And uh, you don't use... You don't, I got shave much, here, and yeah, here, down yeah. here, not so much here, here, here. <laughs> Tommy boy. Um, so, you know, so he bought me this guitar, and um, and that was awesome because now I have an electric, and he bought me an Audition Twenty, which is a P, the PV. Oh yeah, yeah. First, you know, twenty giant solid state watts of crap, but I loved it. It so sounded like amazing. Eight watt? I mean, an eight inch. Speaker or tan, maybe? Yeah, maybe if yeah. I was lucky, eight inch. I think it was probably like a four or six inch speaker. It was, it was tiny. I bet you it was a six inch speaker. Yeah. And but I thought it sounded amazing. It had a little pull. twenty watts of solid of, state of, crap. Of, well, you know the difference between yeah. a solid state watt and a tube watt. It's like not, not even. Comparable. Hey, my first electric amps were crate. Uh, and crate. I had a buddy who had a crate. And I'm like, now those sound good. <laughs> Now that's what I'm looking for. And then there was Gorilla, right? They had these little Gorilla amps, and I'm like, now that's the sound I'm going for. For like a little practice amp, you know. But I mean, the guys I was listening to were playing Marshalls, and then shortly after that I got like a half stack, a PV Butcher half stack, which is basically like a Plexi. And uh, and I was done then. I was like, okay, this is getting serious. But back then I literally, we were plugging into a board, uh, DOD, pedals straight into a board straight into pv uh, black widow speakers it that's was when you figured forward. out what razor really meant <laughs> exactly there was no mid-range it was just like mosquito tone eq you know. no thanks no don't no, need we're, it we're good we're good yeah that's it awesome. was it was i didn't know that i needed anything i mean it was a small town and yeah. that, you know it wasn't like there were some great bands playing back did you then, have you big know? bands coming through town I'm sure we did, you know, 
come in, uh, there was a place called Brassies that that's where, you know, Joe Satriani or whoever okay. would come through. That's the place. But it was always 18 and over show and I wasn't 18 yet. So I just didn't get to see that. Cause we had to drive at least 150 miles to see a national. Right, you were out in the sticks. Yeah. Yeah. So if I went to see Van Halen or somebody, that was like a twice a year kind of. Did you see Van Halen? I did. In the glory days? And I uh, saw so him on the uh, Women and Children First and oh 1984. God. Oh, my God. It's pretty good. Oh, my God. I love that. Well, I was sitting way up side stage on Women and Children First. Yeah. And Eddie was sick. And I saw him. He kept having to run behind his stacks. And so throw up? Throw up in a, oh. in a bucket. But oh, he never boy. missed a note. Wow. So I don't know if that's something you can practice. But I, it's a really... I bet you he got a lot of practice doing <laughs> that. Did. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. But he, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And that's when Dave... I mean, the whole band was just... Oh, magic moment. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So what got you to Nashville? So, uh, so I'm trying to think of the timeline here again now. Maybe 18, uh, graduated high school, went to music college as a classical guitar major for a couple of years. Where was that? Uh, Central Florida. Oh, okay. And, uh, and in fact, it was the same. This shows you how small the town is. Uh, the guitar teacher that I had growing up was also my guitar professor at college. So then I'm like, oh, hey, Dave, how you doing? Uh, so it took it's classical. Professor Dave. Professor Dave now. <laughs> now that you're, yeah. So um, I took lessons there for a couple years and... About that time, I was just like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this, but I was playing in bands, really hadn't thought too much about it. I was literally just like in the moment. And a friend of mine who was going to school at Belmont, um, Deborah Akins is her name, she said, Eric, you need to move up to Nashville and actually be with other guitar players that are that are good so yeah. that you can figure out where you need to go. And, and I, you know, basically she's like, you need to get some wings. You need to get the hell out of here and you need to go to Nashville where, where things are happening. And I did that. And of course, just like every guitar player who comes to Nashville, you know, you're a big fish in a small pond and then you come to Nashville and you're like, Oh dear Lord, like everybody is good here. Even the guys that suck are good. So it was like, there were so many guitar players. There was so much competition and, um, and it was awesome because, like, now you have to uh, play up to a certain level, yeah. right? I always say the big fish in the small pond. Like, I wasn't even the best guy that moved to Nashville the day that I moved to Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was number 64 on yeah. that Tuesday. Yes. But, yeah, you sink or swim pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, obviously now it's even... Uh, the the amount of I, I wouldn't even call it competition, but just the amount of talent that's yeah. out there. Because I don't really think about things so much in competition. I just think about like this guy does that good, and yeah. this girl does that good, and, hmm. you know. But once I moved once I moved to Nashville, uh, I, I became a music business major, and uh, was in the studio like nonstop. M- bunch of bands, you know, a bunch of bands after AWOL and all that stuff too, you know, just different, always just trying to do different things. Like in the studio playing? Um, no, not in the studio then for those other bands for the okay. most part. I mean, we did, we recorded and stuff, but not like, not like the first band. And then, um, and then when I, once I moved to Nashville, it was just more bands, more recording, more just like shows, getting your feet wet, figuring things out. Just because mm. added that, right, that sheer, just like, I want to play out, like I want to yeah. move people. Where'd you like playing? 
You remember? God, back in the day, right, there was a place called Blue Sky Court. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Which I think they I think they tore it down. They, that whole strip, I don't even remember what street that yeah. was on anymore. Uh, Nashville's yeah. changed so much. Yeah. I, I couldn't even tell you where it was at, but I think there's a Blue Sky Court again. But we played that place regularly. We had a, a band, uh, me and Troy Johnson. You know Troy? Uh, I don't know. He's a... He's a uh, a songwriter in Nashville and oh, also, yeah, also yeah, yeah. A, a great vocalist. Yeah. But we had a um, we had a duo called Me and Eric, <laughs> and because uh, we were just like well, we don't have a name, and well, me and Eric are going to be playing Blue Sky this weekend, and that's and that just kind of became a thing. So we would play that a lot, and um, and you know other assorted clubs throughout Nashville. Nothing too big. We got an artist development deal through doing that through a tape. And some of the recordings that we were doing at Belmont, we had an artist development deal um, that withered up pretty quickly. We just had different directions, and mm-hmm. you know, and 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 Troy kept doing his thing, which was great. He he, you know, wrote and went on to write um, some stuff for the Dixie Chicks and mm-hmm. some you know some other folks. And then so uh, then your new project was called Just Eric. Oh, it's Just Eric. Yeah, yeah, and you know, of course. You lose half the the people because other people are going to see me. Right. <laughs> so, which was funny because Troy and I always talked about that because he like I was I always joked with him that he was always putting himself before me and just the fact <laughs> that it was me and Eric because it was grammatically incorrect was like awesome because I'm like that's perfect. But if you, always, you were talking about it, would have been him and me or now nah, you don't confuse see, me because like, I'm just not. A lot of, yeah, you yeah. couldn't say me and Eric because then you the uneducated would think that he was Eric exactly. Yeah, but nonetheless, nonetheless, nonetheless that that, just, that disbanded, was... and uh, yeah, and shortly after that, I uh, unfortunately w- ran out and got married like a few like a few months later, and um, I had a whole like black hole of my life where I where I literally uh, <laughs> music was like a thing of the past. It was like okay, that was fine. Now I'm now I'm married and I'm going to I'm an adult. I'm an adult now yes. and I need to become a banker. Exactly. <laughs> or a real estate agent. <laughs> which I did both of those. Open a haberdashery. <laughs> what size do you have? <laughs> to you know, to pay bills and what have you. So that was that was a an, a sad a sad time in my life, I think, just because I wasn't involved in music, you yeah. know? I was like one of those things that you that you think is a good idea because you're maturing now, but it's like. Well, did you graduate with a music business? Degree? So I graduated with a music business degree. So yeah. then, what did you go? What did you do when you were adult? Well, I did what most music business uh, folks do, and I um, and I became a, a financial service representative for a National Band Corporation. I I I, I closed loans, and nice. I I uh, changed people's money, and I. Yeah, like literally was like boop other direction. Yeah, no, but not before working some other odd jobs. Like uh, I was a hand model. <laughs> I was a hand model. I was a carpenter for a day. One day. for one day. Yeah, and you, got, just you know what it was. I did this several times. Actually, this was before <laughs> graduating to where I'm like, ah, oh, to hell with. With with school, I'm going to work, you know, and I'm going to just do music. And I did that several times, and it was always like, okay, well, what am I going to do to support myself right now, living by myself and what have you? And it was always like some weird-ass, like, rando job that was yeah. just like, oh, I'll, I'll work at Cracker Barrel. That's great. I like Cracker Barrel. Sure. Sure. And so I, I, I literally of- worked there for a day. I trained for maybe a week or two, which I got paid for, and then I worked a day, and it was half a day, a couple hours I was in. I'm like, I'm not doing this. 
I literally called the next day. I was like, I'm not coming in. This, you I, call I hate Cracker Uncle Barrel Herschel now. and tell him his breakfast sucks. I, I was always the, I, I was an Uncle Herschel. Oh, dude. Yeah. I could eat one of those right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of odd jobs, just kind of running away from it. A buddy of mine would uh, would always say that music is a, is a boomerang, and the harder you throw it, the harder it comes back. And That's good. Yeah. So And, and it did. It hmm. did eventually. How did you get back into it? Um, so I've always loved teaching. Uh, the two, two passions of mine is I've always loved music, and I've always been uh, – I, I, I guess there's only one way to say it without – it's going to sound snobby, but I guess I, I've always felt like I've been a compassionate person. Like I've always mm-hmm. liked helping others like to whatever capacity. As long as it wasn't like some sort of weird, toxic ass relationship, I was like helping other people, and so like for me, like teaching people how to do something was always awesome, especially guitar because here I am playing and I'm like, oh yeah, here's this Van Halen riff or whatever, and I'm teaching somebody else that, and then they get it, and then they feel that elation like I did, and it's just this thing, this gift that just seemed to keep coming back. So, um, so I've always taught since high school. I would teach buddies. And then even through those years where I wasn't doing music so much, I was teaching here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so for me, it was the the teaching that got me back into it. Uh, I went through I went through a divorce in two thousand, and boom! All of a sudden, I had all this time again. Went out, and bought my guitars, and had a little. My dining room was the studio, Absolutely. so I had my I had my studio set up, and I had my guitars and just uh, rack gear and just all sorts of fun stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm living life again. This is amazing. This yeah. is what I wanted, you know. Uh, and that's really what did it. Is is honestly, is having the opportunity and the permission because I didn't have somebody saying, yeah. no, that's not. You, yeah. can't, you can't do that, you know. So it was like uh, I allowed other opinions to to get in the way of my music you know i also am divorced yes i, I don't know if you know that or yes. not. <laughs> i had a very similar experience and you know really struggling for a, a reason to be thankful for a divorce is a really hard thing mm-hmm. yeah but same exact thing mm-hmm. i could have never done whatever I did at that time mm-hmm. if I was still trying to start or support a family and looking for yeah and have somebody else telling me go ahead yeah you know? I've always been like that too it's like I'll I'll take a situation that is just you know by all you know opinions is something that's not a good situation and I'll always go well what is good about this situation like what is awesome about this yeah. situation and for me I was like okay well boom 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 the list was actually pretty friggin' long <laughs> i was like why didn't i do this earlier <laughs> but um yeah and, and music was 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 such a big part of it so um yeah that's how that's how i ri- uh, arrived to getting back into it again and then i started teaching more having people come to the house i was wor- at that time i was working a, a sales job so i hadn't fully you know said i want to do this sure uh, for a living Two, I just didn't have enough students yet, so I was just kind of dabbling at it, and like I was just excited that I could make money at it. Yeah, you know. Well, how did you get the idea for GuitarSage dot com? So you know, fast forward a few years, uh, two thousand five. Yeah. Again, teaching a lot out of my home, um, playing out with folks and what have you. Just here's and there's not really not really too much because I had a full time job and I had a, uh, a a daughter. 
and bills to pay and all the rest. So I was just trying to get it as much as into my life as possible, was in bands all during this time. And in 2005, well, let me go back a little bit, started really teaching a lot more out of the house. Mm-hmm. So now it's up to several dozen lessons a week, people come into the house. I had my actual studio, so I was getting more you know, professional about it. And in 2006, I uploaded my first video to YouTube okay. because I was teaching so much that whatever new Taylor Swift song came out or whatever the flavor of the month was sure. uh, song came out, inevitably, I was teaching up to like 70 lessons a week. Man. So it was, it was crazy. And, um, but if you're teaching 70 lessons a week and a new song comes on the radio and you got, you know, 20 or 30 girls that you teach and like somebody's going to like Taylor Swift. So I I would end up teaching the same songs over and over again. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I just like flip a camera on? I've got a camera and there's newfangled thing called YouTube that'll probably never catch on, but I'll throw it up there. Maybe some kid in, you know, China or something. Yeah. We'll see it. Not that they get to watch YouTube, but you know, in some other country, they'll they'll be able to see it. And so, like that was kind of the idea. Was more just like, okay, I have this thing. Why not do that and put it up to the internet and see what happens? See if somebody likes it. And so, I started that in 2006, and maybe like a year or two later, I'm not very good with with timelines, but it's it, maybe a year or two later, and someone suggested to me. Um, you know, you should make this a thing. You should continue to upload. And then I continued to do that and then started to do it a little bit more professionally mm-hmm. in that I'm like, okay, here's a song. Before I was just like, here's a, I was just playing a solo or something. Sure. And then I started teaching these songs. And then um, uh, enough people had said, you know, you should have like a book or some sort of courseware or something because I love the way that you teach. You really teach me this stuff. Like, unlike... I've ever been taught before. Yeah. I've had lessons my whole life, but you have some way of getting to me. And so I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and took that as maybe like permission to actually get more serious about it. So I wrote a little book. I mean, like literally might have taken me uh, eight hours to, mm-hmm. to write with the the diagrams and everything else. Maybe a total of 24 hours to put it all together to create documents. You know, back in 2006 where you're assembling everything by... Uh, at know. Kinko's? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah. And so um, and so I, I put that out on the internet for like 10 bucks. And I was getting, I forgot back in the day, I think I was getting like maybe like 24, 30,000 views a day on YouTube. So it had built up pretty quickly. Dang. And I'm like, huh, that's pretty cool. Well, I was like, well, I wonder if I could sell this book. And so inevitably, um I sold my first book. In fact, I remember I remember setting a a chime like a cash register, like any time that a book would sell, right. and, I, and I cranked my my speakers. Once I, everything was live, and I had built my <laughs> web page by myself, I had gotten the cart and all the pieces, <coughs> and actually built this thing that could work, point people from YouTube to mm-hmm. to the website and everything, which was yourguitarstage.com. It was super janky. Then I had one thing to sell. It was a is an ebook for ten dollars. And I remember the first time that that thing, that I heard that cash register, and I'm like, no shit. I'm Here like, I just sold one. I'm like, if I can sell one, I can sell a million of these. Yeah. And that's kind of what did it for me. And then I started you know, getting into a little bit more of understanding marketing. And, uh, and basically, the way it equated is like for every thousand, I think it was every thousand views that I got, 
I would sell a $10 ebook. Okay. So I equated it to every view that I got, I'd make a penny. Yeah. You know, a thousand views, I'd make 10 bucks. So basically back in the day, any view that I got equated to a penny. So if I was making 30,000 views in a day, I'd make 300 bucks that day. Yeah. And that kind of got up, got up to, you know, 40 and 50. And I think, I think I've topped out maybe somewhere around 55, 60,000 views a day. Gosh. And and I was making five, 600 bucks a day. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Like, this is amazing. Like, I, like I didn't want to tell anybody. I was like, right. oh, my God, I don't, is this legal? I don't know. <laughs> and so that was pretty magical, and that's what kind of started it for me. Um, and honestly, I don't know if I'm lazy or if I just I just didn't get it. Uh, but like at that time, I should have started to build courses and what have you. Right. But I didn't, and I I just kind of waited because I was literally making so much money, not really doing much. So yeah. I'd put a video up every now and then. I had my my second job that I was making good money at, and I was like, "Are you joking? Like making money is easy? This is crazy." They started knowing you at Applebee's, yeah. and Fridays, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. The usual, sir. The usual, yes. <laughs> the smothered fries, yes. Uh, Let's make that a diet right there. <laughs> so, um, but it wasn't until years later, maybe like 2012, that I actually started building a course. Because those sales dwindled because sure. the internet changes. It's constantly changing. Mm -hmm. As soon as you think you know it, it changes. And so those sales started dwindling. People stopped buying ebooks. Yeah. And then there was some things with Google that they had done that, that adjusted some things that basically stopped as much traffic. So that went down to 12,000 views a day. Okay. And you're like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? And you I'm find out there's some things maybe you didn't do wrong. I'm over. Yeah. It's already It's all, well, I'm I'm done. all washed up. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and that was about the time when I just said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm gonna, I need to do it seriously. I, I had quit my job seven years earlier, back in 2005. I just like, I'm going to do this full time. But that was just the one-on-one -on -one lessons. And then 2012, I started building courses, and, and that's when it started just becoming consistent because that's when I built my, my tribe, if you will, like people mm -hmm. who, who were like, man, I love the way that you teach all these songs. I was constantly uploading songs and then started creating a course material called the Unstoppable Guitar System that's, that's been around since 2012, and I think I opened the door for that with like maybe like 200 videos, I'm, I'm going to say. Not not a lot. 200 videos, I was charging $40 a month, which was way outpriced, double what like anybody else was charging. Um, and But I was like, but this is good stuff. Yeah. And I, I'm not just like pooping out videos here. Like these, this is really good stuff. Right. So, um, and, uh, and, and so we've just, you know, I say we have grown uh, because now I've, I've hired people and, you know, I've got a marketing guy and, uh, and I've got a, a whole team now, yeah. you know, so it's grown quite a bit since then. And now in the new studio, we're getting other instructors in and it's become, it's like a thing, you know? So it's been a very exciting journey and Absolutely. one I had no idea that I, that I, that I would have gotten here, you know? Well, just real quick, going back to teaching, I was just thinking, like, if three kids come to you and one kid says, I want to learn the rhythm guitar for Enter Sandman, mm -hmm. one kid says, I want to learn the solo to Enter Sandman, and the third kid says, I want to learn the whole song, mm -hmm. do you, is your way of approaching teaching these kids radically different to each for each individual kid, or do you kind of have your own system mm -hmm. that's kind of, that kind of consistent from student to student to student, mm -hmm. or or what? I mean, what's your 
So I don't even know how to yeah, really ask that question. You know, from just teaching one-on-one so much and seeing what works and what didn't and what somebody got before something else, like kind of the you know addition before subtraction, subtraction right. before multiplication and division, that sort of thing, like that basic path. Um, just, number one, I'm a hacker. Like I love taking a concept and breaking it down. I have to understand the why on everything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me, I'm just obsessed with that. <clears throat> so that would make sense that I always had to break stuff down. Yeah. And so like I loved taking a song, breaking it down <clears throat> to where I could take something that someone said, well, this is impossible to learn, and then teaching them that. Right. So like, you know, in a, in a scenario like that, my druthers would be that they would learn the basics of guitar first. Sure. So that when, we, when we're talking, it made sense, and they're not like, well, well what's a hammer on? Well, how do you do that? Okay. And then we're stuck in the minutia. So they have a platform. That. That's the way I prefer to do yeah. it. But when you're teaching one-on-one and somebody's bringing their kid in there and spending the money that they that you spend on one-on-one lessons, which can be a lot of money, and they want to do it their way, and you're like, man, I really, you're going to be better off to do this, and they don't do that, but they're insistent on doing it their way, they're paying. They're yeah. the boss. So you let them do what they want to do, and you can remind them every one, once in a while, well, this is why you're not succeeding. Yeah. You're not practicing. You're not doing things in order. Sure. So, But you know, most of the time with something like that, I would always try to get them used to doing some some essentials first, some foundational things first, because just like everything is based on foundations. And if you don't get those first, then you're going to always stumble, right? So I always try to build a foundation first. But a lot of times, you know, a student may not uh, allow you to to do that. doesn't want to do that. No, like in the case of Igor, uh, which seriously, his name was Igor. (laughs) I was one of my Russian students. And, uh, And we learned Crazy Train. Okay. For four years. And uh, <laughs> he literally would come in every day and play that damn, <coughs> damn riff. I don't even think we got to the, to, the, to the verse section. I mean, it was like, it was painful. Was Except for the kid? fact that I was getting paid a lot, and he was a genius of a kid. He just didn't practice, you yeah. know? So it's like we literally, and I tell his parents all the time, man, he's wasting money. And, but, but, they, but they loved it. He says... And I was almost a therapist to these yeah. kids sometimes. I mean, these kids would come to me and they wouldn't be talking to their dads or whatever. And I was literally like I was sounding board. Half hour lesson, first 15 minutes, I'm just talking to them about their day. And I felt bad because I wanted to teach it. But like they were there because it it was an experience and it felt good. And, and so a lot paying of attention to Yeah, them. exactly. So yeah. was Igor the kid that had no rhythm? Because, I mean, Crazy no. Train was is no. so syncopated. I can see. Yeah, like, no. No, he wasn't the guy. No, he had. He could have been uh, an amazing musician, uh, and he's just, he's literally doing like nuclear fusion science, some something way out right right now. He's a super smart kid. Uh, But no, he had all the uh, ability to to, to just become amazing, like everybody does, but like it was, it was, it was obvious in him. He just wasn't practicing, you know? Well, I mean, I know you are such a big fan of, of theory. Are you talking. Theory is in like the circle of fifths, or what? What sort of theory do you like to use in conjunction with teaching? So, uh, so I don't like to necessarily think about theory unless it's necessary. Okay, like to me, I love the whole idea of learning things by ear. But when someone says, "Well, I'd like to replicate that," like I love it when people say, "Well, Hendricks didn't know theory. Dave Grohl doesn't know theory," which I always say, "Cool. Well, let me have Dave's guitar." And I'm going to keep it in tune, but I'm going to tune it to whatever I want. Because mm-hmm. if he plays by ear, he's going to be able to sail across that neck. And right. he can't use patterns because that's theory. Right. 
And, you know, because I love when people say, well, I'm, I'm self-taught. I know no theory. Yeah, you know tons of theory. You know yeah. cadence and you know the four and the five. You just aren't calling them yeah. that, but you sure yeah. as hell know it. Because, and you're playing scales whether you know Yeah, you and you're are playing in the right key, yeah. and you're not just like randomly playing like notes and they right. just magically sound good because you're so intelligent. No, you know theory. <laughs> so, but, so that being said, I think everybody uh, can benefit from knowing the whys about something that they want to be good at. If yeah. you're a photographer or a soccer player or a guitar player, it's like you got to know the essentials on how to kick the damn ball. Right. You know, you got to know why a chord's a, well, that's an A minor chord or a major chord. So, I don't. I'm. I don't like to get stuck in it, but I yeah. like to use it as a tool to get people to to create. Because at the end of the day, no one cares if someone knows theory or not. You can probably feel good, you know. Feel a little homeworky too to some of those. Yeah, kids. yeah, yeah. And I feel like if they're if they're at the place where they're like, "Well, I need to know why this is." Now they're ready for that theory piece, and that's how I teach it in my courses. Yeah. Like I I teach tons of theory, but I don't. But it's not like, hey, here's theory, and then in a year from now, we're going to pick up the guitar and play. You know, it's like, no, and I don't know what voice that was, but it's that teacher who would just be teaching you theory, you know. But I would teach it to them as they go along. In fact, that's one of the things that the the comments that I would receive all the time on YouTube is people would say, like, I love when you teach a song because at the same time you're teaching me, like, all this stuff about music that I just didn't know. Yeah. So I would talk to them about the tonic and about, you know, the family of chords that we were using, the A minor C, G, why the, all that stuff was working well together. Right. And, and it wasn't like I was tricking them, but I just thought it was interesting stuff, and that was how my brain thought. So, yeah. so <clears throat> you know, that I, I would teach them as I go along, you know. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was looking at your website uh, a week or so ago, and you had these five pointers that I loved about, like, getting started, kind of. And the first one was getting your guitar right. And it's like, setup is so important, and it's not expensive. Why do you think people don't get their guitars set up? Do they just not know where to go? No, I think, you know... You know, know you know when you go to the music store and you can pull a, you know, usually not with the more expensive guitars, but you could pull a six hundred dollar guitar down and it's just not set up right yeah. because it was sent from some other factory and they don't want it to be buzzing, so they purposely set it up yeah, higher. Yeah. The guys at Guitar Center should probably lower them, but um, <clears throat> it's time, it's time and energy. So I think that's why they why they do that. And I think people just assume, well, if I'm buying an expensive guitar, like what should be set up about it? I mean, if I go buy a a, a brand new car right now. I'm not like, do I need to have this car set up? Right. Bart, or is it, it should be friggin' air in the tires. Right. Yeah. It should be, it should work. Right. <laughs> like what, what other thing do we buy brand new that isn't set up already? That's kind of weird. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. calibrated. So, but yeah, I think it's really important to have someone take a look at your guitar, at least feel it. Like I always tell people, I say, bring your guitar to someone who's been playing a while, a veteran, a you know, seasoned player. Cause, I mean, if I handed you a guitar like just now, right, you'd yeah. go, oh, this plays great. Right. You know, if it was all out of intonation or didn't play right, you'd be like, oh, this is jacked up. Yeah. You'd know immediately, and you don't have to be the guy to fix it. You just need someone to tell you, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You also say the right equipment matters. And I know I'm, I'm such a gear nerd, and I <laughs> love guitars. You love guitars. Does your tone... Not maybe teaching, but playing, playing. Does your tone, like if your tone sucks, does your playing suck? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I feel like um, a lot of times when you hear guitar players talk about their tone and 
uh, you know, somebody else may be like, I don't really hear a difference, but you hear a difference. Yeah. And if that guitar is just a little less punchy because some knobs been turned on your, some knobs turned a knob on your on your dang pedal board, and now it it, it, it doesn't sound exactly the way yeah. you want it to, um, makes you feel like well something isn't something isn't right. So even though I say that 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 equipment's important, what I mean is you know once you start maturing as a player yeah i mean that first it doesn't matter it and it really doesn't it to me it's like if that zeal for just playing yeah. doesn't get you to play then you probably it's not that you're not you don't have the ability or the capability of doing it but you're probably just not hungry enough yeah. and to me Absolutely. like someone who is a great player has nothing to do with what they're born into it has to do with their desire to do something yeah. and that's all it is and if you desire something bad enough you'll make it happen so, like you know, uh, so for so for the guitar player who's just started off, you know, don't don't worry about it so much. Maybe the the action should be decent, but yeah. um, but don't you don't have to go like get Glazier Joe Glazier right. to set your guitar up for 150 bucks or whatever. I always got. I think that also as you get older and better and wiser, that you learn what works for you. Like I had a Mark Sampson era. Uh, matchless HC30. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Mm. For me, I would take it to the studio and like Gordon Kennedy or Bukovac or, or uh, uh, Pat Buchanan would play it and it just was godlike. And I right, would take yeah. it home and like, what, what the crap? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I sold it because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that's not, that amp is not for me. Right. Yeah. Like I can't make a Fender amp sound worth a hill of beans mm-hmm. but there are a million players in the world that make it just sound like sure, yeah. heaven yeah that's the other thing is like find out what works for you yeah especially for what you want mm-hmm. if what you want is an esp loaded with emgs mm-hmm. and a dual rectifier well then that's what you should get exactly because that's going to be that tone and nothing's going to be better than that tone 100 percent. and, that, and i get gear. that question all the time people say what's the best blank and my god if i had a dollar for every time oh, dude. someone asked that and i'm like there is there is honestly no such thing but we live in this like amazon rated world yeah. where everybody's looking for the best and i get it i do that when i'm looking Absolutely. for a tv and stuff but it's a good I, place to start it's a good place to start but at the end of the day it's like there's only what's best for you what's your price range everything else so like i hate ask i hate answering the questions in the way that i do in regards to that but it's like if i'm being honest i say you've got to figure out what it is that you want and your your price point and all the rest if you want to sound like uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you might want to start studying his gear. Yeah. You know, if you really are obsessed with that sound, then start studying that gear because there's a reason that it sounds like that. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's just so individualistic. You won't be able to afford any of it, but no. you should look at it. But you should look at, at it least you and go, dream. Oh, it's a Strat. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I can get a Strat. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, though, I'll say the same thing about a guitar. I'm like, go try a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollar guitars, even if it's outside your price range. To see if there is much of a difference, because yeah. you might be surprised. You might find yourself liking a guitar that's much cheaper, that's set up right, that's that's your style and everything else. You not might so be much about hearing price. with your eyes. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yup, yup. One of the other things was on on your mm-hmm. website was uh, developing your own unique style. Mm-hmm. You think every guitar player has their own unique style? I think. No. I mean, the, the okay. short answer is no. I and mean, I think that that's only because they haven't, um, they haven't given that an opportunity to flourish, mm-hmm. you know? So someone who's just only playing 
um, somebody else's stuff, they're just gonna they're gonna sound like that. Yeah, you know. So I feel like eventually, like if that's a, if you're serious about that, the thing to do is to start writing. Because mm-hmm. that's where it's going to start coming out, right? Is when you write a song, your uniqueness. You write a chord yeah. progression that moves a certain way, yeah. and then your melody lines are going to go a certain way, and then your solos and what have you. Uh, and what I find, which is always a mystery to me, is that as many licks and solos and what have you that I've learned, when I go to solo, it's my own stuff that comes out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I may say, okay, I'm going to do this like pedal line here, and that might remind me of Ingve Malmsteen, right? But it's like he didn't invent the pedal, right? He didn't invent that. Or I might do something that's that somebody else did, but for the most part, I feel like my stuff sounded like my stuff. You yeah. know, I say sounded like because I just don't write much these days. I yeah. just I'm so immersed in in the studio and in, in creating content for folks and what have you that I don't. And I just haven't written in so long, even a solo. Yeah, you know. But also, some people get. Some people will ask you, I'm sure, you know, man, I wish I was as good as you are. And I always say to somebody, do you enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. And you're good enough. Yeah. Now, if you want to get better, there are steps to take it. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going to be banging around the campfire with your girlfriend, right. you know, up by the lake, yeah. then you're good enough. Yes, 100%. You don't have to be the best guitar player in the world. Mm-mm. No, and I, you know, when when people say that to me... Number one, I feel humbled because I feel like I've somehow tricked them because I don't feel like I'm a very good guitar player. I feel like I'm a like I'm a good instructor. And there's been days where I've, I'll you know I'll play something and I'm like oh that sounded good, but for the most part I'm I'm constantly frustrated with Is my anybody own recording that right yeah no okay <laughs> shit I'll try to remember it tomorrow <laughs> yeah so um, but then the other thing is like you said. I always think about people on a continuum on anything, whether it's guitar or it's their spiritual life or working out or eating or whatever. It's like you are where you are, right? So it's like look, like be honest with yourself and figure out where it is you are. That's yeah. the first thing you got to do. You can't lie to yourself and think you're better than you are. <clears throat> Absolutely. You're the only idiot who's going to think you're good then. And then know where it is that you want to go. If you're just, I mean, I have so many t- uh, students that will say, you know, I have no aspirations to playing in the studio or even playing in a band. I just want to jam with some friends and mm-hmm. play around the campfire. And I'm like, awesome. Like, yeah. you know your why. Absolutely. And now you don't have to practice eight hours a day. You, yep. can, you can practice for a half hour a day, just fiddling with the songs that you love, and you're in your happy place. Yeah. And those are usually the people that are most happy with the instrument anyhow because yeah. they're just like, they know what they want. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's just like a continuum. But the other cool thing about that continuum is that and I think this has been part of kind of my platform and why maybe I'm polarizing where people are either like, dude, I get this guy, or no, he's a freaking liar, is that I truly believe that everybody has the potential to be whatever it is they want to be at whatever it is that they want to do if the desire is strong enough. Mm-hmm. And then, well, this starts with the desire. The desire itself isn't going to do anything, but then if they do the work for it, right? So like... Um, Zach Wilde isn't Zach Wilde because he just really wanted to play guitar bad and drank a bunch of beer. Yeah. And it's like he sat in the stopped room. Stopped taking showers. Yeah, he stopped taking showers. He drank the beer, but he <laughs> but he whittled away at his scales for 16 hours a Absolutely. day. And then that's what you get, you know. <clears throat> I met a professional baseball player after a show one night, and he goes, man, I wish I could play guitar like you. 
And I go, well, if you would have played guitar as many hours as you played baseball. <laughs> you wouldn't be where you are here today, you, yeah. Right. I said, you wouldn't be a multimillionaire, but you'd probably be as good as me. So right, yeah. He was like, I never thought about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, a, it's amazing to me that people don't think about that. Yeah. Like, it, it blows my mind. And, like, that just permeates my 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 day. I'm constantly thinking about that. I'm like, where do I want to steer this ship, and what what is it going to take to get where I want to go? Whether that's guitar or this business or or any Dude. facet of my life, and it boggles my mind. People don't understand that they literally hold the keys to everything and anything they want to do. Well, what else do you do thirty minutes a week that you ever get any better at? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You'll just maintain. Like if you work <clears throat> out for a half hour uh, a week for the rest of your life. You're going to look like you look today, and that's going to be it. You know yeah. what I mean? But if you do which it for an hour, which I don't hate. I don't mean you. I mean because you're beautiful. <laughs> but I'm saying like, you know, you got you to gotta put in an hour a day. Yeah. Right? And then, and then that'll plateau as well. Yeah. You know? Can you teach somebody how to be more creative? I think that uh, the short answer is yes. I think you can teach someone to do that through techniques. Uh, mm-hmm. Because to because I we know that the brain is uh, we know that it expands in in regards to its ability to be able to do things right uh, but you have to challenge it to do such a thing so um, you know doing certain exercises like if someone's like I just want to become better at uh, improvisation I suck at improvisation sure. you're like okay. Uh, well, Which let's is talk probably about it. fairly common. Huh? Yeah, it's super common because yeah. people, what they do is they learn the forms, right? And maybe they learn some licks, and then they go to execute, and the licks don't come out, but they're just playing the scale, yeah. Because it's like this widget fits on this widget, and technically it does, yeah. But in the same way that we <clears throat> could be sitting down today, and you know, if you said, "Well, we're going to be using words." <laughs> it's like this This conversation could have gone anywhere. It's like, well, yes, we are still using words, but we're doing it a specific way. You're asking a question. I'm replying to you. And, and phrasing is the same way or being creative is the same way. It's like, well, one thing has to follow something else. Right. And if it's mediocre, then maybe don't do that thing. You know this process from writing, right? It's like you go... Are we, you know, is that, is that melody on something else yeah. or, uh, man, I don't like where that, where it's going. What, what else could we do? And I think what a lot of people do is they, they're, they're so excited about creating the creation process. A lot of times is they, it's enough of a thrill for them than actually going for the golden ring or that, whatever it is that they yeah. haven't ever done before. And I think that sometimes they just become lazy where they're like, cool, there's a song. I wrote a song and that's cool. But like, if you want to keep going, like you need to. You know, have other influences, and I heard um, he said this just the other day. Uncle Buzzy, what's his name? Um, oh, I forget the guy that that, that my wife writes with, who I love. Um, anyhow, he says uh, he says if you don't have words coming in, you won't have words going out. Oh, you yeah. know, and talking about vocabulary for for songwriting, and sure. the same thing is, it's like if you don't have something inspiring you, how how would you do anything else? Yeah. So, that guitar player that I uh, Instagrammed you, you know, last yeah. night. I'm like, that makes me go, oh, it makes me want to pick up the guitar and like tr- at least try something. Yeah. What he's doing there, it's like it's that's how to be inspired. So, yeah, I think it, it can be taught. That's interesting. But it's tricky. Yeah, you know. And I know some people don't. I know tons of people listening to this wouldn't agree with that. They're like bullshit. It's you're born with it. Yeah. But to me, that's as intelligent as saying, 
uh, well, either you're born a walker or you're not. Either you walk yeah. or you don't. Well, none of us were born walking, right. and we all learned to walk. We all learned to poop in a potty. We all learned to eat. But it was all because of, of practice. It yeah. wasn't anything else, you know? It's funny also about, like, improv, the people that I've tried to jam with that, like, came out of, like, organized band, mm. just reading notes on music. Mm-hmm. I go, take a solo, and there's just silence. They go, I don't know how. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it, but what do you mean you don't know how? Yeah. You know what key we're in. You know where, mm-hmm. you know what's next, mm-hmm. and then what's next beyond that. Yeah. And it, it's just... It's it's really interesting. That's what's so fascinating about music, right? Is yeah. that like there's so many different levels, there's so many different roles that one can play. I had an ex girlfriend who, uh, who who plays for the symphony, right? And she could. I think I might have told you this that I was learning "Bark at the Moon." I was learning the tablature mm-hmm. for it, and she could read music. So I said, and she was practicing. I was practicing different stuff. And I just, just for kicks and giggles, I'm like, hey, come over here. Can you read this? And like, she's, it was that, that, right, that little, uh-huh. and she looked at it and she just started playing it. Right. Almost note for note immediately. She's yeah. But she reads 24 7. That's all yeah. she does is read. It's like, so that was nothing for her. That would have taken me, uh, well, I just can't do that because I don't practice it enough. Never have even heard that song. Never heard it. No, she definitely did. She hated heavy metal. Um, <laughs> Ali, uh, <laughs> she hated it, but um, but at the same time, um, if if I put on a twelve bar blues progression for her or some chord progression and said, "Now go ahead and noodle," right. you know, go ahead and improvise, create something, she wouldn't. That ain't coming. That's not coming. Yeah. yeah. Can you read music? I can lightly read music. Yeah. You know, just Pretty because I don't practice it, like I can yeah. teach it, and it's that is one of those things that if you don't keep up with it. You're not, muscle, gonna, you're not going to be fast. You know, I mean, yeah. Everybody says it's a muscle. But it, it 100% is. Really, yeah. It really is. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do my lightning round? Lightning round, yeah. Yes. Let's do the lightning round. The lightning round is I'm going to ask you a I'm question. Frightened. No, 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 no. Yeah. You don't have any aluminum foil on, do you? Because <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm just saying. No, just whatever first pops out of yeah, your head. Yeah, sure. What's your favorite book? Uh, Screw tape letters. Nice. Mm-hmm. You a bath or a shower guy? Definitely a shower guy. What's cold showers. Cold? Cold showers. I'm a yeah. big fan as well. What's the last gift you gave someone? Mm, the last gift I gave someone. I've, I've got to think about that one a second. It'll probably be one of the guitars that I've given away here. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we're constantly like always, we're given, I have so much gear. That I'm constantly giving stuff away, so it was probably one of my guitars. Honestly, nice. what was the first concert you saw, and how old were you? <laughs> the first concert. Oh, thank goodness, this was the first concert. I thought it was a Striper concert, and it might have been, but let's just say it was U2. Okay. In their glory days, not weird U2. I'd still, I'd probably take Striper. Would you? Yeah, yeah. I saw Striper a lot. I did too. I, I, like get, I get a lot of shit for liking Striper. You know? Dude, yeah. You don't hang out with the right people. They were good. Absolutely. They were good. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite place to travel? Key West. That's what I yeah. Some, say that. Something Caribbean. Yes. Mm-hmm. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? If you weren't guitar saging? Like you, you, you would not have lasted in the bank business. No, no, definitely or in construction. Not. No, I got pulled aside several times. Yeah, for for various things, not for stealing, but just for like attitude of like. <laughs> 
you know, you can't say that, you know, you know. You, you don't sweat you, much for a fat girl. <laughs> hey, whoa, you can't say that. <laughs> no, I guess uh, if I wasn't doing this, you know, I was a youth pastor for a while. Right. I, I taught in class. Um, I've taught children's church and I feel like I'm always doing something where I'm teaching and for a while there for a small jaunt I thought that I was going to be a a high school teacher okay so like probably teaching something in another way you know what's your uh, favorite electric and acoustic that you own so my favorite electric is a 65 Strat that I bought from George Groon Maybe like seven years ago now. Uh, maybe not quite seven years ago. Yeah, ish. Uh, 65, it's... Uh, it's beautiful. Completely, uh, everything's original on it, and I absolutely love that guitar. It just, it feels so, I feel so at home with it. And then for acoustic, I cannot, I haven't found anything that's come close to my SJ200, which yeah. I don't know what year that is. Maybe like a 91. It's not like super old, but that thing just sings. I played one in... Uh, my first year when I went to Belmont, this guy had a 69, and I played that thing, and I was like, dear God, like, yeah. this is a sound. It was so big sounding, and it played great. So that was like I had that on my radar. That was my first big boy guitar after yeah. losing everything in a massive divorce. <laughs> That's my first, like, yay, I get a legit guitar. I'm going to buy this, and I'm not going to ask anybody if I can. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Acoustics, man, you can... Play serial number one, and it's like, that's pretty good. Serial number two, that's pretty good. Serial yeah. number three, holy crap, that's Yeah, amazing. yeah, you're a big four, fan of acoustics. Pretty, I love them. Yeah, and they are. They're very individualistic, Man. and I, I, I won't say the name of the guitar, but I got another guitar the other day um, that was sent to me, and, and I was like, Man, this guitar is amazing, and I, I started playing it. It was beautiful. Uh, sounded great. But the but it just didn't play right. Yeah. But I didn't. It was almost like I wanted to like it so much. Sure. And then uh, I was like just kind of struggling on it. And then I hadn't picked up my Gibson for for like a, quite a while, just because moving into the new studio and everything else. And I picked that Gibson up, and I was like, Oh my god, this is this is my yeah. guitar. Like, why do yeah. I play anything why? else? Yeah. Yeah. So if you could have one guitar and money were no object, mm. what do you think you'd get? You know, I think that's it will, a dumb question. Yeah, it's like the same question. It's the same one that everybody says, like a fifty-eight <laughs> or fifty-nine Paul, just because I could sell it and buy a lot of other guitars. <laughs> no, it would just be really cool, right? Like if so, like if it also didn't have any sort of um, money value, you know, to it, then yeah. I, I think that I would probably still say that, just because it's it, it, they were light, they were. They sounded amazing, or they like they they, they, they had that. No, that, I, I should say they sounded light. They got yeah. that kind of like um, they just have a, a vibe about it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what's what's next? Well, it's funny that you ask because I've literally the last few years have been such a journey with all of this. We just moved into this studio. Oh, this is awesome, man. Right? I'm so in love with it. It's yeah. like, it's it was the next step. I put my big boy pants on. You need and, to put up like some warrant fit. posters or something to mm, really That fit. would complete it. Yeah. Kicks, maybe? Oh, right? Man. Love kicks. Blow your fuse. Yeah, wasp. 
little Blackie Lawless. Yeah. Nothing says guitar. Pitching the meat clinic. out to. He's a Christian fellow now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so here. Yeah, he probably doesn't wear the saw blade in his crotch uh, no, anymore. No. Now the church is all like, no, don't wear the saw blade. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's like this. For for me, this studio was was a step in the right direction. The guys yeah. were kept encouraging me, and I've always been such a uh, kind of I don't know. I I know it's not very exciting for a podcast, but I've always been fairly play it safe in, in business decisions and other stuff. Sure. Not in marriage so much, but in um, in in business, you know. And so uh, this was a, this was a long time coming, but I'm so glad it happened. We moved here in June. And basically now I'm realizing that my job, I feel like, is to facilitate the massive amount of talent that we have here in Nashville yeah, and to facilitate that to get it to the masses. Because I watch some of these guys play, and I'm 50 now. There's no way. I don't, I don't have the time, nor do I have the desire. I mean, of course I have the desire to do that if I didn't take practice, but you and I know what that takes. So I don't, yeah. so honestly, if I'm being honest, I don't have the desire to do that, right? right? I have the desire to be that and take Absolutely. a pill and be that, but yeah. that's not going to happen. So um, I feel like my job is to facilitate all of the massive talent in Nashville and to bring that to the public. And that's basically what's happening here. It's like yeah. we're having all these amazing uh, guitar instructors come in that are jazz you know, or or slide guitar or studio guitar or whatever, and bringing that wealth of knowledge to my fan base, and then actually launching them into their own careers of doing this as well. So it's That's, pretty cool. I have no idea where it's going to go, yeah. but but I'm very excited well, to just see. To put a bug in your ear. I've been called one of the best guitar owners <laughs> in Nashville, and I believe that. And I've also been called one of the best guitar holders. <laughs> So if you need somebody, to, I would like you to hold some of my guitar. I want to see what like this is all about. Me to teach some of that. Yeah. I could do that. No, and you're you're a, a great player yourself. So it's <laughs> like anywhere you look, there's there's yeah. so many great players here. And like literally, that's one of the the things that I said to myself the other day. I said, if I only lived in a city that had great. Wait a, Wait a minute. minute, I live in Nashville, and all the amazing guitar players live here, so what am I doing? <laughs> I'm like, I already am getting my own stuff out there. I've tricked people to think that I'm a good guitar player. What happens if I get real guitar players? So, And that's what I'm doing, is I'm, is I'm getting uh, guys, guys and gals that are, awesome. that are just amazing, and they just need to, yeah. they need a platform. They need to get out there, you know? Where would people go on Al Gore's interweb to find you? <laughs> on Al Gore's interweb. You think he regrets that? I, I sure assume hope so. I, I hope sure so too. hope so. What a ridiculous thing to say. Dear I don't know. Lord. I invented that. Dear really? God. Dear God. Um, yeah, everything is, I mean, honestly, everything's at yourguitarsage.com. Or if you just like Googled Your Guitar Sage, you'd find me on YouTube. That's kind of where it all started and then headed to the website. And I have uh, 30 free lessons. This is, a, this is basically the, the first 30 lessons that I teach all my students. And this is what I say. If you have that foundation and they go through those first 30 lessons, they will literally know more than most guitar players yeah. out there. They're going to have a great foundation. And at that point, they can play a bazillion songs with that information or they can go on to, to do to study more, to further their, yeah. their bit. But, um, so I that's, I, could, I wonder if I could get through them. What the, the first 30 lessons? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, like, but honestly I have folks that, that have been playing for longer than you and I, that, or at least by years, like, Hey, yeah, I yeah. started when I was 20 and I'm, you know, 
friggin' 60 or 70 now, and it's like in that way. But I mean, folks have been playing a long time, and they go through those first 30 lessons, and they say, man, no one ever showed me that. Yeah. And I'm like, I know. I know. Fool, that's what I'm telling you. Get in there. <laughs> so like literally, <laughs> literally, um, it's like the stuff that I figured out what worked for my students after yeah. teaching thousands of one-on-one students, like literally thousands of one-on-one students. Um, you could probably break that down into 20 different groups or 10 groups. Yeah. Of this is, this apply to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But that, uh, you know, so at that course, folks can, can, uh, awesome. can get into that course for free, the unstoppable guitar system. And I promise you, you will, you, you'll learn something new. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Dude, thank you. Uh, Bart, I'm very you so thankful much, for you, man. Been a great friend for a long time. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Taking and drinking. Yeah. See you later.